Welcome to Quest for Gold. We are on the brink of the opening ceremonies in Tokyo. The flame will be formally lit Friday. It will be located on Tokyo Bay so all of the public can see the flame during the two-week-long Summer Olympics. USA women's basketball star Sue Bird and USA infielder Eddie Alvarez will serve as flag bearers for the USA for the opening ceremony. Bird has four gold medals. Alvarez won silver in speed skating in 2014. Sports are already underway. The U.S. women's national soccer team was stunned in their first match against rival Sweden, falling 3-0. The loss snaps the women's 44-game unbeaten streak. You may remember it was Sweden that beat them in the Olympics back in 2016. USA softball blanked Italy 2-0 in their first Olympic game since 2008. USA men's beach volleyball player Taylor Crabb has tested positive for COVID-19 after arriving in Tokyo. He is expected to miss the Olympics. We talked with Taylor way back in the fall of 2019 in episode 7 of Quest for Gold. Zach Levine's expected to rejoin USA men's basketball in Tokyo after going through safety protocols in Las Vegas earlier this week. The IOC has modified its rules on protests and demonstrations during the games, allowing for athletes to speak freely or express themselves in press conferences, at team meetings, and on the field of play prior to competition. Many women's soccer players have already taken part in on-field protests. IOC President Thomas Bach. It is allowed. It's no violation of the Rule 50. This is uh, expressively uh, what has been mentioned in these uh, guidelines. Brisbane, Australia has been named the host city of the 2032 Summer Olympics. The city ran unopposed. It'll be the third time the Games are held in Australia. On our Quest for Gold Athlete Spotlight, we had a chance to speak with Blake Peroni. The swimmer from Northwest Indiana won gold with Michael Phelps in the 4x100 back in 2016. Now he's hoping to do it again after what he admits was a tough lead-up to these delayed Olympics. I, I don't want to live too much in the past, but I do want to start with 2016 because obviously that was a different experience than what you're about to go through. Through, uh here in, in 2021 talk to me a little bit about your 2016 experience with team usa going to rio obviously uh very successful uh you, you got some hardware out of the deal just kind of give me a feel for what that experience in 2016 was like yeah 2016 i guess going into trials i didn't really expect a whole lot because i had never been to a trials before like i didn't have a trials cut in 2012 um, so I didn't really know what to expect. I guess I had watched trials, you know, on the, on a TV, but it's just way different being there. But anyway, so ended up making the team in the hundred and it was a really great experience altogether. No, no real problems. It was the first time I had ever, um, stayed in a village and it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like the Ritz Carlton that we were in in Atlanta beforehand, but you know, it worked out well. I, I did my part in the the prelim relay, and uh, and yeah, and like you said, this this time is going to be completely different with no spectators and you know finals in the morning and all that stuff. Was there added pressure because you were on that team with Michael Phelps? I mean, were you able to? I mean, was there this feeling like, oh gosh, we got to win this thing because all the cameras are going to be on us, all the attention is going to be on us, we got to get this guy another gold? Or, or were you able to say, look, I just got to concentrate on my leg, raising the best I can? I mean, are you able to separate that or is there some additional stress? Actually, I think in 16, there was less pressure just because I had no idea what to expect and I didn't really you know, have any real expectations. I mean, just get top eight in that relay and, and prelims. You know, the, I mean, I didn't feel any added pressure from Michael at all. I think it was actually easier with him being there. Um, but this trials, I would say, was more pressured because of the extra year that it took. And because I was, you know, everyone was ready to go last year, you know, in June. And then 
you know, everyone had to wait like an extra year. So the anticipation of that extra year really added up and added some some more pressure. Do you think that comes with age too? Does the pressure build or are you better at dealing with that pressure the older you get into this sport? I'm not really sure. I think it depends. It kind of just depends on like what point you're at in your career, I would say. Um, yeah, I, I would say it just depends on the meat. I don't know. What what point are you at in your career right now? Where's your trajectory at? Is this is this the the height of it? Are you planning out? Are you wh- wh- what do you feel right now heading into 2021? Yeah, I mean, I feel good. I feel you know like I still have best times in front of me. Um, but honestly, I don't really know how much longer I want to swim. The past year was just really. I don't know, emotionally draining just with everything. And like, you know, the Olympics got pushed back. That was, I don't, I don't think anyone would have ever thought that would have happened, you know? So I don't know. Um, but I'm happy where I am now. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to racing for team USA. How tough was that when they pushed it back? Were you on board with, okay, I've, I'm going to 2021 or did you need to pause and think about whether or not you wanted to extend this another year and continue on with the same kind of training you were, you were already under? Yeah, I, I knew I still wanted to try and make another team. I just, at first, when they pushed it back, I was like, oh, they probably won't even happen. Like if it's going to be pushed back and everything else had been canceled. So for like a while, I was thinking, you know, they're, they're pushing it off a year and then they're going to cancel it. Um, but, you know, I was never a hundred percent sure. I just, you know, it's just what I had thought at the time. So it was really, uh, you know, a period of uncertainty and what kind of meets we're going to do, what I'm training for. I didn't want to, you know, would have been devastating to train for an extra year for the Olympics that I was already ready for just for them to cancel it, you know, which was something that was running through my mind. That's a mental challenge, right? You wake up in the morning and wonder if what you're doing is even going to be worth it. I mean, did you struggle with that over the weeks and months of the pandemic as to whether or not you should continue at the same pace that you were? Yeah, definitely. And and for me personally, it's easier to focus on things in a shorter period of time. Like I don't look at things four years out. I don't even look at things really a year out. Like if I can train for eight weeks here and like look at something, that's that's perfect for me. So it was, it was, it was tough. Yeah, it was, it sucked actually. Did you go home? Did you try to find a pool? What were the first months of the pandemic like for you as far as life and training and everything? So, no, I didn't go home. I, I live in Bloomington like full time now. Um, there was like a, like a potential pool that a few of us were driving to, but it was like 90 minutes one way. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. I did it like once. And I was like, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to drive three hours to swim. And it wasn't even like a 25 yard pool. But so I, I basically took like 11 weeks, almost three months, completely not touching the water um, back, you know, when, when everything happened, um, I just did a lot of dry land. So did you, did that give your body time to heal? Was that uh, a good mental break? Yeah, it was, it was good for a mental break. Um, and I, honestly, I like, you know, I like the weight room and doing a lot of stuff in there and it was nice to try some things that I had never been able to do before. And it's a lot easier to lift when you're not doing, you know, 50,000 yards a week. Tell me a little bit about this, this team this year. I mean, obviously Katie Ledecky is going to get a lot of the uh, press coverage, but can you tell us, give us some insight as to some of the other people on this, on this USA team that, that are heading to Tokyo? Yeah, there's a, a lot of rookies on the team. I don't remember how many 
there were last time, but I feel like there's more this time on the, at least on the men's side than, than last time. Um, but it's, it's a really great team so far. We have all been, you know, getting along and playing video games and the time's been going by really quick and it's been really enjoyable, especially, you know, in Hawaii, it's like paradise. Is there, is there an expectation? I mean, is it gold or bust or is that too, too far in advance? Is that too lofty? Is it just trying to do your own personal best? I think that's like the standard that, I mean, USA swimming, like if you make the team, it's already the standard. It's not really like an expectation. It's like, honestly, it's going to be kind of a disappointment if we get like silver, you know, in, in any relay or any, I wouldn't say any, in any individual, but definitely the relays. Yeah. We want to like win everything. It's, it's how it's always been. Well, this is going to be a different experience. Uh, it sounds as though your travel is going to be extremely limited. Uh, even once you land, you're not going to be able to enjoy the Olympic Village and, you know, rub elbows with other athletes. And, you know, it sounds like opening ceremonies, closing ceremonies are a no-go. I mean, you don't have any say in the matter, so, but I, I mean, I guess you should feel fortunate that you were able to experience 2016. This is going to be completely different. Yeah, I mean, I am thankful for you know experiencing 2016 in a regular games. I would say it is, and it is really unfortunate that we have to do all these extra, um, you know, all, all these extra limitations put on us. But if it, you know, I'm, I'd rather have these limitations and have the games happen rather than you know just cancel everything. Yeah, absolutely. Have you been to Tokyo before? Yeah, I've been a couple times actually. I think this is my third or fourth time going. I was there a few times while the pool was being built and I could see it. They seem ready for this. You think that they'll be able to handle it with the pandemic stuff, with everything, with no fans. You think this will be a good experience? Yeah, I, I think, I mean, all of this, I mean, some of the stuff that we've already had to do, I mean, our flight is until Monday and we are already taking, you know, special COVID tests and uploading all kinds of documents yesterday. I mean, I think they're, they're pretty on top of it. So how'd you get into the sport? Kind of walk me back here as far as like you, you grew up in Northwest Indiana. Did you just do it as kind of a fun thing to do and it just progressed? Or did you know right away that you wanted to, uh, to race competitively? No. So my dad swam for Purdue actually um, when he was in college. And it was just one of those other sports that I did when I was younger, mm -hmm. along with, you know, baseball, football, track, whatever. And uh, for, for a while, I would say until, about 14, I did, you know, those other sports and it was just something fun to do that my friends did. And then when I turned 14 in the summer of, I don't even know what year that was, but that summer, um, I did really well at age group state and I won a bunch of events. And at that point I was like, Whoa, I'm way better at swimming than I am these other sports. So that's when, you know, I kind of just focused on that and swam for Chesterton high school under, uh, Kevin and Kennel. And then I, I just got better every year. Um, it was pretty uh, linear progression in high school, actually. All right. Uh, what, what is your kind of game day routine? And, and are you going to be able to do that in Japan? Do you usually have some kind of race day ritual that you go through, whether it be eating, whether it be music, whether it be yoga? What, what kind of do you do when you wake up in the morning? The only thing that I like have to do every day is get some kind of caffeine, which is usually coffee. I'm kind of a coffee addict. So other than that, I don't, I don't need to eat like anything special or, you know, do yoga or meditate. I, I love watching you guys warm up and, and get ready. Cause you kind of go off into a room. Some people throw the headphones on some people, you know, completely disassociate themselves with everything that's going on. Do you, you don't, is there anything in particular you do? You listen to music. Um, 
I don't usually listen to music usually because I'm so, you know, hyped up. My heart rate's already like pretty high in the anticipation of the race, which is good. So I think for me, music would just, it, it's too much for me. I get a little too amped up. Um, maybe for like a 53 or something like that, but I usually don't listen to any music actually. Okay. All right. So where is, uh, and you don't have to be too specific, but where, where's the 2016 medal at right now? Uh, it's at home in a safe. In a safe. Okay. You pull it yeah. out every now and again, take a look at it, feel how heavy. Yeah. It is. No, I don't, I don't look at it too much, but yeah, some people like, you know, show it off if you want to see it or, or whatever. That's, that's really cool. All right. So what are the next steps here? You said you're flying out to Tokyo on Monday. Mm-hmm. You guys have to quarantine then for a while. Yeah. For like seven days. And we're at their like high performance center or whatever it's called. And then we go to, um, you know, the actual comp pool, uh, you know, a bit after that. If I recall, you have an Olympic tattoo on your arm, right? So do you get yeah. a second one? Do you get a second one? No, I'm not going to get another tattoo. Yeah. That'll do it for Quest for Gold this Olympic cycle. 65 episodes, interviews with dozens of athletes, former Olympians, coaches, doctors, and reporters, and of course, one major pandemic. Special thanks to Dave Marzullo of WGN Radio for putting all this together every week for the web. We'll pick things up again in December as we prepare for the 2022 Winter Games in Beijing. I'm Ryan Burrow. This is Quest for Gold. Enjoy the Tokyo Games, everybody. 